As we come to the study of God's word, let me lead you in prayer. We thank and praise your Heavenly Father for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for his regenerating power that brings us faith and salvation. We thank you for his being the down payment on your promise of heaven. We thank you for his convicting power when we have sinned against us, as we've just sung. We thank you for his gift of wisdom and understanding of spiritual truths. We thank you for his inspiring the 40 or more writers of Holy Scripture. We thank you for preserving your Holy Word for us in a language that we can understand. Please enable us to understand and apply your Word as we spend these next few minutes meditating on just a small part of your Word. We ask this so that our Lord Jesus will be glorified in our lifestyle. We ask it in his name. Amen. My voice is a bit croaky this morning, so I'll apologise for all the (coughs) now, so I don't have to do it all the way through the message. You might recall, in fact you might be saying to yourself, Ted obviously uh, didn't didn't agree with Paul when he preached through this passage in chapter 2, some weeks ago now, but it's not that at all. So let's look at Ephesians 2.18, and uh, you'll see there a a reference to uh, the temple of God. And that's what picked up my interest uh, right back then when he went through that passage. And you can see there that at at verse 21 underlined, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So thus our theme today is that we are the temple of God. When I read this passage and when Paul preached through this passage I remembered two verses that I had memorised. I was trying to think the other day just how many years ago that was but 45, 6, 7 years ago uh, as a young Christian as I was memorising Bible verses of course in the good old King James that we use them and so uh, great great verses to talk about so they're the, the passages I want to look at today talk about us being the temple of God, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is an amazing concept, it's an amazing truth. Uh, We are God's temple, whether we feel like that or not. He dwells dwells in us by his Holy Spirit, whether we feel that or not. It's a spiritual reality as opposed to a physical reality. So we're not always aware of it or conscious of it. There are many today, uh, we call them secularists, Skeptics and others, uh, modernists who who deny the whole concept of the spiritual reality, that there is something more than this physical reality reality which we're in. But the Word of God does make no denial of, of that kind at all. So you are the temple of God. If you really believe that, it will regulate how you live and how you conduct yourself every day. Are you applying this truth in your life? Paul expands and applies this teaching that we found in in, uh, Ephesians here in both 1 and 2 Corinthians and also in Romans. So it's a theme that he comes back to as he writes these different letters. So firstly let's look at 1 Corinthians 3 verses 16 through 17. (coughs) Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. 
for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. And then secondly, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. Can you see the similar language that's used in these two passages? See the words, do you not know? And the words, the temple of the Holy Spirit and honouring God by how we use his temple, the application of those truths. The problem Paul is dealing with is that the Corinthians in particular, their actions and attitudes reveal the failure on their part to allow what they know, the gospel, to affect their day-to-day living and attitudes. Do we have a similar problem today? I think so. The point that Paul is making is that our being the temple of the Holy Spirit should affect every part of our life and conduct. Are we like the Corinthians? Have we forgotten that we are God's holy temple? Our lifestyle tells us how to answer that question. How you live says whether you believe you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God or not. So this is an important concept, the Apostle Paul, and he repeats this this concept again in 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. (coughs) Our last trip to Myanmar, we did some uh, touring around and uh, we went to the ancient city of Bagan. By about halfway through the day, I'd seen enough temples to last me a lifetime. I was all templed out. Mind you, when we visited England, Sue and I also went to cathedral after cathedral after cathedral, and so it was a similar sort of situation. Well, Our focus of our study today is on a temple, but a very different kind of temple than the ones we see in our world around about us today. We are, as true believers, the very temple of God, simply because God lives in us. This is an amazing concept, is it not? If you have a good understanding of yourself, you should be amazed that God, the Spirit, actually dwells in you. If, you have not been a, if you've been around a church for a while, you will be familiar with this concept of us being the temple of God. But have you given much thought to that truth lately? This is a concept that has amazing consequences, consequences for both you and me. Clearly this use of the word temple is an Old Testament concept. Almost don't have to say that, do I? It goes right back to when the children of Israel were rescued from Egypt and uh, set out for the Promised Land. God demonstrated that he was present with them by providing a cloud of fire which led them in the direction they should go and told them when to go forward and when they should rest. Sort of a similar picture, isn't it, to the Holy Spirit at work in our life. We should also be following the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit with regard to where and when we go and where we do not go. The cloud of fire initially filled the tabernacle and then later the temple, which was really a further fulfilment uh, built by Solomon. There are lots of lessons we can learn by reading again those Old Testament accounts of the special dwelling place of God. The many commands and laws regarding its construction, its use, and uh, how it was dedicated to God. 
the people of God were to be holy and set apart and dedicated to him. And that temple, the tabernacle, was to remind them of that. They were not to desecrate or defile God's temple by their sinful attitudes or actions on the pain of death. It was a serious thing. The Apostle Paul is declaring over and over again that we true believers are the temple of God. God's Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us. We are to live holy, righteous lives. We are to reject sinful attitudes and activities. Let's now unpack the meaning of the key statements found in these two passages given to us by the Apostle Paul. So let me give you some definition of words. Notice the words, do you not know? Do you not know is actually a question phrased in the the negative. Do you not know? Do you not remember? Do you not understand or appreciate that you are God's temple? Paul is actually rebuking the believers at Corinth. Paul uses the expression, do you not know, or do you know, ten times in 1 Corinthians. It's one of those key things in the Corinthians. Each time he uses it to introduce a positive statement in order to correct error in thinking and conduct. So in other words, you should be paying attention when he says, do you not know? In other words, they did not practice what they said they believed in how they related to each other in day-to-day life. They knew the truth, but were living as if they did not know or care about this teaching. The word you initially refers to the Corinthian believers, but also by application to all true believers, to you and to me. It's like when the police officer pulls you over and asks you the question, do you know what the speed limit is here? Or don't you know the speed limit is here? Or, as happened to me recently, do you not know you just went through a red light? I did. (laughs) That was my explanation. Or, as once I was asked, when's your vehicle registration due, sir? I said on the 29th. He said, yes, 29th of last month. $600 later, I think I learnt my lesson not to be slack about paying the rego. Have you ever been rebuked by this? Do you not know? Do you need to be asked this question today? Do you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What are you doing here? Why did you do that? It's Sunday, why aren't you in church? The word know means to have knowledge, to have certain information, to understand something. The Greek word know means to understand, to remember, to appreciate, to perceive or comprehend the meaning of something. Do you not know? Paul is actually rebuking the Corinthians by application us too for not living according to what we say we believe. Are you and I practising our theology? The Life Application Study Bible says if you live in a building owned by someone else you try not to violate the building's rules because your body belongs to God you must not violate his standards for living. Sue and I rent, we've rented all our married life and uh, the house owners usually uh, have a real estate agent who conducts a house inspection. I think it's every three months. Uh, The lease agreement uh, has a long list of rules and conditions on which the lease agreement is based. In this current house we're in, one of the agreements is that I don't get up on the roof. So you can't clean your own gutters out or adjust your TV antenna. We've always passed these inspections and wonder why they keep coming every three months because we've been there for seven plus years I think now 
and uh, the lady walks around with the camera and takes pictures of every light fitting and door handles and the floor and uh, this goes on and on. Same pictures each time and sends them off to the owners. The reason they do this, of course, is because some renters don't really respect or appreciate the house in which they're living. They don't keep, keep it clean and tidy. In fact, one of our neighbours right next to us only lasted three months because when the inspection time came round, they'd wrecked the place by punching holes in the walls and ripping out fittings and all kinds of things like that. Are you treating God's temple, your body, with due respect or are you violating God's rules for how you should live? If your owner, the triune God, inspects your life, would you pass the inspection? You cannot hide anything from God. He sees all, he knows all. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, You yourself are God's temple. Notice this is in the present tense. You are and continue to be God's temple. You belong to God, the God of the Bible, the holy omnipotent God, that is to say the all-powerful God. The tenses used in the Greek text also make it clear that we are both individually and collectively as a church the temple of God. So it's individual and collective. This has implications relating to our conduct and attitudes as a church as a whole. What does this word temple actually mean? The word temple means a sanctuary, a holy place. It refers to God's dwelling place, God's home or earthly residence. JFB, Jennifer Fawcett and Brown's commentary says this, God now has, has God now too has his earthly temple, not one of wood and stone, but the congregation of believers, the living stones on the spiritual house. The Oxford Dictionary says that the word temple means an edifice dedicated to service of God, a place of Christian public worship, a place in which God resides, and quotes 1 Corinthians 6.19. It's interesting, the dictionary definition actually quotes the Bible. They don't do that as much these days. So we see that in the Old Testament the temple was a physical structure but in the New Testament God's people, both collectively and individually as I've already said, are the temple of God. Notice the words there, God's spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the comforter, the source of godly power, strength and wisdom, he lives in us. He lives in all true believers. Bob Utley in his commentary says, Indwelling deity is a recurrent concept in the New Testament. All three persons of the Trinity are said to dwell in the believers. And he goes on in his commentary and gives a a list of references that verifies that statement. The Holy Spirit is a third person of the divine Trinity. He is God and as such is omnipresent and that is he is present everywhere at the same time so he can be in heaven and in us at the same time. No problem. Does that solve that problem for you? How can he be there and here? Well, he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. How does God dwell in us as true believers? The Life Application Study Bible says, when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Therefore, we no longer own our own bodies. That God bought us with a high price refers to slaves purchased at an auction. Christ's death freed us from sin, but also obligates us in his service, to his service. When we are born again, he comes and lives in us. That is, 
He possesses our bodies. He resides in us. He is located in us. He exists in us. He abides in us. He is alive and active in us, in you and in me. But notice the last point he makes, that having the Holy Spirit living in us obliges us, obligates us, sorry, to his service. Wow, did you get that? I don't know if you remember the Lord of the Rings or if you even watched the series. Remember that city that they were trying to liberate? The king had been removed, the sword had been broken, but there was a steward who was in charge of that city and he forgot that he was just a steward waiting for the king to return. Sometimes we forget, don't we, we, that we are just stewards of our body. It actually belongs to God. We are obligated to serve him. It's a responsibility we have to serve God in how we live, where we go, where and what we won't do, where we'll go and what we won't do when we get there. Are you acting responsibly as one who is under obligation? Let's look again to our second text, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were brought with a price. Therefore honour God with your body. Notice the words, you are not your own. Notice the last line as well, therefore honour God with your body. Are you honouring God with your body? Do you get the application? It's very clear, isn't it? The Life Application Bible helps us. It says many people say that they have the right to do whatever they want with their own bodies. Although they think that this is freedom, they are really enslaved to their own desires. Do you think that way? Do you not remember that as a true believer you belong to God? You are not, uh, sorry, you are His dwelling place. You are not your own. You need to repent if you have that wrong attitude. Becoming a Christian, a true Christian, means giving your life, your heart, surrendering your all to God. It means submitting to his rule over your entire life because you're not your own. You are no longer your own. You are bought and sold. You belong to Jesus. You are under obligation to serve and honour Jesus and to no longer just please yourself. We cannot do this on our own. It's the result of the Holy Spirit living in you and changing you. Our text says, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. How should you respond to this amazing grace? The text tells us. Again, therefore, honour God with your body. Our lifestyle should be worthy of the conduct of people who actually dwell in God's holy temple. As God's temple, we should never get drunk, take illicit drugs, get involved in brawls or vandalism, commit crimes, drive dangerously, use abusive language, shack up, sleep around, look at porn, lie, cheat, steal, etc., etc. We could go through that passage in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 that Israel Phileo made so popular or unpopular. There's a whole list there. But we also need to remember that Paul's statement at the end of the, that list of sins says this, that was what some of you were, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. So if you have failed in the past, forgiveness is available. You need to ask for forgiveness. Submit again to Jesus. Repent of your wrong actions. We must not defile or corrupt God's dwelling place. 
Our lives should demonstrate obedience and an honourable lifestyle of integrity that brings glory to God, which should flow from our heart in response to his grace. Matthew Poole's commentary says, For as the temple of God of old was a place built and set apart for holy uses, and therefore cannot be debauched or defiled by anyone or anything without exceeding great peril and hazard to them. I love the old English wording. It's just uh, puts a bit of class into it, doesn't it, as well? Don't you just love that kind of statement that comes out? But do you apply it to your life? Are you no longer living as if you are your own? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3.17. It says, If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. This verse contains a stern warning to those who would seek to desecrate God's temple that is your body, your life by unholy living, by causing divisions in the local church the expression of God's temple as well by getting involved in choosing personalities or styles of leaders or preachers that you'll follow that's the context there in 1 Corinthians. The words God will destroy him are very strong words and show how strongly God views the desecration of his temple. The word destroy can be translated as defile, corrupt, tear apart, fracture, ruin or spoil. The context reveals that this was primarily referring to those who are seeking to cause trouble and division in the church, particularly at Corinth but also at Ephesus, but also has application to each of us as individual members of God's family or temple. Our lifestyle choices are very important because we are God's dwelling place. A quick reading into 1 Corinthians reveals that they were guilty of many and various sins, including sexual sins and drunkenness, to mention just two. Just as the children of Israel reverence their temple, we too must honour God in how we use his temple, our body, where we take that temple and what we put into that temple. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul, of course, was a strict Jew before he became a Christian. He knew all about the temple in the Old Testament and its purpose. And you might recall that he uh, was almost killed himself, almost destroyed, to use the word we're looking at here, when he was accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple. Remember Timothy? They were going to kill him. So he knew what he was saying when he said that you can be destroyed for abusing the temple that God has given to you. You remember the attitude of Jesus when he came into Jerusalem and found people trading and selling in the temple. He became very angry, tipped up tables. That gives us some idea too of his attitude to us being holy in the way we live. And you remember too Jesus said that he was the temple of God that the tabernacle and the temple of Solomon and the later rebuilt temple all pictured him and the kingdom of God, the throne room of God. And he said, remember, tear this temple down, speaking of his body, I'll raise it up in three days. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 16 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Baal? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. 
I will be their God and they will be my people. <clears throat> Do you see why true believers are commanded not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers? Because to do so is to desecrate God's holy temple. Those who repeatedly desecrate their temple indicate that they are not true believers. As James says, faith without works is dead. The warning is that God will destroy those who defile, corrupt or destroy his temple. A reference, of course, to judgment in this life, but also judgment and hell in the next life. I want to just finish with uh, three other references that refer to the temple. Romans 8, the passages that we read uh, earlier, I think, didn't we? Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, notice the last word, who lives in you. Hebrews 3.6 But Christ is faithful as his son over God's house. We are his house if we hold to our courage and hope of which we boast. And the last one, 1 Peter 2 verses 4 and 5 As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So how do these words apply to you? Do I really need to apply it again? Maybe so. I will try to always remember that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, that he abides in me always and so act accordingly. Because of this truth, I will endeavour to abstain from sinful attitudes and actions. I will try to avoid contaminating God's temple by putting harmful and toxic substances into my body. I will not watch porn or engage in illicit sexual activity. I will endeavour to keep my body fit and well by eating wisely and getting plenty of sleep and rest. I will seek opportunities to remind God's people of these things. I am under obligation to please Jesus and not please myself. Let's pray. (coughs) We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your amazing, challenging words to us today. We thank you for your amazing grace that has caused us to put our whole faith in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit that that he now lives in us thus making us your holy temple. Please forgive us for the many times we profane your temple by our disobedience and unholy conduct. Enable us, we pray, to honour you in our service but also in our attitude towards others. Please remind us that we need to be circumspect with regard to where we go, where we do not go and what we will do and what we won't do. Rebuke us, we pray, when we go astray. Encourage us to say to each other, don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the same Spirit of God dwells in you? Help us to be good tenants who serve in your holy temple. Please help us to be respectful of your property and so be good stewards of our bodies 
so that we can be effective in your service. We thank you for not leaving us to rely on our own strength alone, but you have given us your Holy Spirit to empower us in all we do in your name. Please help us to always remember that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that he abides in us always and to act accordingly. Help us to abstain from sinful actions and attitudes, thereby avoiding contaminating your temple. We ask all these things that our Lord Jesus, who died to save us, may be glorified in us, your people. We ask it in his name. Amen.